So the year was 34 AD, and there's this man that becomes incredibly interested in the things of God, yet he has no clue where to turn to. So he starts traveling, and he goes, I'm going to go find the answers to life's questions. And he was from the region of Cush, uh, which is modern-day Sudan and Ethiopia, and he was referred to as an Ethiopian. And it was not just that he was referred to as an Ethiopian because that's the region he was from. That was the term used in that day to describe the color of his skin. He was a black man. And he was going, I want to know who God is. I wish someone could tell me the things of God. And so he sets out on a journey in a chariot, 1,700 miles from Africa to the center of religious activity of the day at Jerusalem. And he shows up to Jerusalem at the temple to go, maybe this is where I can get life's biggest questions answered. Maybe this is where I can interact with God or or know who created the universe or know how to live the life that I am living. We don't actually know the name of this man. It was never said the name of him, but we do know a lot of things about him. We know that he was powerful. We know that he was wealthy. We know that he was intelligent. We know that that he was actually one of the few people, as he walked the temple courts that day, he was one of the few people that were literate, that could read. And so as he walks through the temple courts, he's looking for his questions to be answered. Yet, yet the temple courts are very segregated. You have men, you have women, you have Gentile, you have Jew. And as he walks through the temple courts that day, I'm sure he's being looked at, stared at, and going, I'm out of place because of the way he looked. Yet he was so determined. He wanted to know the answer to his question. And so as he goes, and, and he's been used to people looking at him differently his whole life, not because of the color of his skin, but because he's a eunuch. Uh, when he was a small boy, before he hit puberty, he was castrated. So he's been different his entire life. He has not fit in. He, he never had testosterone in his body. So as you look at the hair on his arms, there are none. He's brittle. He's small. His voice is still very high. He, he, he never had puberty hit. And so his whole life, he's been bullied. He's been jeered. He's been made fun of. Yet, in an interesting thing is, He's super well-respected because he is in the royal court of the Ethiopian queen. He is wealthy. He's powerful. Yet he still feels like there's no place for him. And so as he walks the temple that day, people don't just look at the color of his skin. They look at how he's different, how his voice sounds different. Yet the shame or the, the... kind of just not feeling like he fits in, did not stop him. And so he's asking, he's looking, he's going, who is this God? How do I know him? And then he seems like he can't get the question answered. So he pulls up and there's this person in the temple court selling a scroll. And the scroll was the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he pulls out a big wad of cash and he hands the cash over and he takes this scroll because a scroll is expensive. I mean, to write a scroll out of an entire book took time, energy, and money in 34 AD. And so he gets this precious scroll and he walks out of the temple still No one answered his question. He's done with his business for the day, 
And he goes, I guess it's time to go home. So he takes a scroll, he gets in his chariot, and he starts the journey south through a desert road. And as he goes through the desert road, the 1,700 miles back to Ethiopia, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he starts reading the scroll. And as he reads it, it just starts captivating him. And he goes, there's something different about this. There's something interesting in these words. And as finally he reads through and he gets to Isaiah 53, he reads out loud. He says this, he reads, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and his lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And as he reads this, I think tears are coming down his eyes because he goes, who's this man? Who's this man that was led to slaughter? Who's this man that lived in humiliation? Who's this man that was depleted from justice? Because he thinks of his own life and he goes, I've been humiliated. I haven't had justice in my life. Who is this man? And it's as if, At that moment, all his questions, all his wandering, all his searching came to a climax. And all of a sudden, he hears someone yell outside of the chariot as he read this out loud. Do you understand what you're reading? He goes, I traveled 1,700 miles. I went to the temple. I went to the religious activity and no one talked to me. And then I thought I had given up. I'm reading this scroll. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone shows up and goes, do you understand? And tears are crying down his eyes. And he, his heart's pounding. He doesn't know what to do. And he goes, how would I understand if no one is there to explain it to me? And then all of a sudden, this man, Philip, stops his chariot and starts explaining to this man the things of God and answers the questions that he had. As you hear this story, do you relate any to this Ethiopian eunuch? Have you ever felt out of place? Have you ever felt like an outcast? Have you ever been frustrated by the circumstances in your life or wish that life had have given you a different hand? Have you ever felt like you had big questions but seemed like you could not have them answered? You can relate to this man. I know I can relate to this man. As we look over this story, what I love about this story is that God is on a relentless pursuit for this man. And he's on a relentless pursuit for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to be in a space where you know him, where you can experience him. God was calling this eunuch, directing his path. So if you're here today and you've ever been burned by church, if you've ever gone looking for the, the answers to your question and you felt like you didn't get any, You're welcome here. Jesus loves the searching. He loves the spiritual nomad. He loves the one that is looking, not the religious perfectionist. And if you've ever felt like an outcast, this is the place for you. Jesus 
is calling you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you felt like that today and you've had those big questions, maybe today is the day that a few of those are answered. So we're in this series in Acts. We're walking through Acts 8. Welcome to Restoration. I'm Jason, by the way. Uh, as we walk through this series, we've been going through the stories of Acts. And we've looked through all these different things of how the church has expanded. And over the last month or so, we've seen how there's been this persecution that's happened in the church. And all of a sudden, there's been this dispersal of people. And as the dispersal happens, the gospel is going everywhere. And, and this guy, Philip, who we're going to read about here in a minute, Philip's been on this mission to reach this new group of people in Samaria because Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that you would have power when the Spirit comes on you to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this guy, Philip, that we're going to look at here in a second, Philip has, has been sharing the gospel with the Samaritans, and all of a sudden now he's going to interact with this eunuch. And as I, I'm going to go back. I told the story in a narrative. We're going to look at it through Philip's perspective. I've just for so long thought, what's the eunuch's perspective? What was it like to be him? What was it like to feel like he did? And just a kind of a key in reading the Bible, I think a lot of times we look at ourselves as the hero of the Bible. Like when you read a story, like we're going to read here in a second, Philip, you're like, I'm Philip. What did Philip do? How should I be like that? A lot of times when you read the Bible, you should actually read it as maybe you're like the one struggling. You're the one in pain. You're the outcast. You're the one that's searching. That's the eunuch's perspective. So as we look through this passage, we're going to kind of go back and forth. We're going to go, what's Philip's perspective? What's his vantage point? What's the eunuch's perspective and his vantage point? And we can learn a lot from the eunuch. We can learn a season of waiting, a season if you've been burned out of religion, if you've had a path where you're like, I don't want to be on this. We can learn a lot from that. And then we can learn a lot from Philip. So Philip, like I said, he's been in Samaria. He was a deacon in Acts 6. Uh, Philip was one of the seven people that were chosen. So there were the 12 apostles, they were doing all this work. God was using them. And there were these widows that needed to take care of. And they go, hey, take seven respected men and then lay hands on them and have them take care of the widows. So Philip, he has been taking care of widows. He's been working in the church. He's not one of the like apostles. He's, he's just a guy that was chosen. And now he's being used by God to see miraculous things happen. So I'm going to read you the story. I'm going to put it up on a screen so you can follow along. We're in Acts 8, 26. And I just want to read through Philip's account of what happens with the Ethiopian eunuch. So here's what it says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot and he's reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. And he goes, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, 
tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and then Eunice said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So as we read this story, you can see there's kind of two perspectives again. The, the eunuch's response to the things of God felt almost passive or if God was calling him. So God was in a pursuit of this Ethiopian. He was in a pursuit of him. Like he didn't realize what he was searching for. He just knew there was this like deep yearning inside of him to have answers to his questions answered. And so have you ever felt that before? Maybe when you're searching the things of God or maybe you came here today and you just feel like there's this pull on you that you're like searching for something. That's exactly how the eunuch felt through this. Philip was more of an active response. He, he was hearing from God. There was an angel that visited him and was like, hey, you need to leave the Samaritans right now and you need to go on a desert road. And what does he do? He goes right away. He listened to God's voice. He had an obedience about him. And then the spirit goes, okay, now he's going down this road. And we don't know, there's probably more than one chariot down there because he looks at a chariot and then all of a sudden the spirit speaks to him and he goes, I need to go talk to that chariot. And I love Philip's response. Did you catch what he did when he heard the spirit call him? He ran, he ran. Here's one thing we can learn from Philip's example. When the Spirit speaks to you, don't walk. Don't say maybe. Run to it. When the Spirit speaks, when the Spirit guides, what should we do? We should act immediately and go towards that voice and act immediately upon it. One thing we can learn about it is that when we have the faith and willingness to yield to the spirit of God, we get to see miraculous things happen. This is why I believe God uses Philip is because he, he's not just a passive person, but when he hears God's voice, he's willing to act upon it. When you hear God's voice, when you sense his spirit tell you to do something, we should run towards it. Another lesson I think we can learn from this is this is that the that as Philip uh, shared the gospel with the eunuch, did Philip make the eunuch interested in the gospel? No. See, the Lord was already pulling at this eunuch's heart. He was already drawing him to his name. He was already directing his path. Philip just stepped in the midst of it, and. A key principle I want to share with you today is that you cannot create spiritual interest in someone, but you can discover it. I think so many times when, when we want to like impact our friends or see people come to faith, we want people, we want, we're like, oh, I wish they would get this. I wish they would hear this. I wish, I wish. And we could pray for it, but you cannot create the spiritual hunger in someone's life 
but you can discover it. It's a lot like a diamond. Like a diamond, once you find it, it's there, but you just have to polish it off. And that's what I see, what we can learn from Philip, is that we can't create spiritual interests. We can only discover it. I brought my lunch today, so uh, I got hungry. I didn't eat before I come. I don't eat for breakfast a lot of times, and I don't eat uh, at before a message because I will vomit because I get nervous. Uh, I do. Has anybody had the banana avocado? They put avocado in everything now. So you just like put it on. No, I don't eat that. That's gross. Come on. That's gross. It is crazy, though, how much avocado is on every, every single menu I go to. It's like, avocado, 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 and then it's $17 if avocado's on it. Anyway, avocado, banana. So, okay, here's what I think. I think the eunuch is like this avocado. And an avocado you can buy, and it is, have you ever bought the avocado that's not ripe yet, and you hit it, and it's like really hard, and you're annoyed, and you're like gosh, I just want to eat the avocado. But there's a time in the process where the avocado has got to ripen. And you just let it sit and you're patient and you like wake up that morning and you're like, it's not avocado toast morning. I got to wait one more day. And you wake up the next day and you're like, not avocado toast tomorrow. So to, and then it finally becomes avocado toast day and you eat your avocado. It takes time for an avocado to ripen. I think this eunuch's life was like that. There was this sense in him that he wanted the things of God, but it was just a matter of time that God was pursuing him. I mean, we don't know if he traveled only to Jerusalem to worship. We don't know if it was, that was his main act, but he traveled 1,700 miles, and he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to buy a scroll, and every single step he took, the Spirit was drawing him, and it was ripening him. And eventually, he would become ripe. And I think Philip is a lot like this banana. And this banana, you know, uh, what, I don't, I'm not great in science, but ethylene, that's what it is. Do you know ethylene is what is released from a banana and an avocado? It's the chemical that actually makes it ripe. So if you put, I'm going to change your guys' life today. You're going to be like, I don't remember what that sermon was about but I know how to make an avocado ripe. So if you put this avocado in a bag and then you put the banana in the bag and you close it and leave it, you go to bed and you want your avocado toast, instead of waiting three days, the ethylene on the banana will release so much ethylene that it will ripen that avocado in about a day. You wake up, you get it out, and you're like, oh my goodness, my avocado is ripe. Okay, so what does this all mean? I think Philip... I almost said Peter. There's too many P's in Acts. You got Philip, Peter, Paul. Sounds like a 70s band, Magic Dragon. The, the mature got that. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> avocado, banana. You got this Ethiopian and you got Philip. And he's ripening. But all of a sudden, when you put Philip next to this ripening avocado, what does it do? It accelerates it. So when we put a follower of Jesus next to someone that is in the process, that is, God is working on, when we put it in there, all of a sudden it becomes ripe quickly. Because all of a sudden God can use the follower of Jesus. He used Philip to share who Jesus was. And it's like the easiest like, outreach opportunity ever. The guy's like, who is this person this guy's talking about? I've, I've actually never had that kind of evangelistic opportunity in my life, but... 
I have noticed, I think a lot of times people just need a little bit of an acceleration of some ethylene of another follower of Jesus coming into their life. And what does it do? It accelerates the process. So as we think about ourselves and we think about as followers of Jesus, if we're going to see others come to faith, we need to bring them into our lives. We need to share the things of Jesus with them. And then as we think even about if you're here and you're searching for the things of God, this is why you need to put yourself around other people that follow Jesus because it will accelerate your questions. It will accelerate your knowledge. Now you know how to make an avocado ripe. Okay, so as we look through these both perspectives, we got Philip and we got the eunuch. Here's what I see is like the overarching attitude between them both. And what kind of jumped out to me as I read this is they both acted upon the things of God immediately. Whenever they had a sense, they just acted upon it. Uh, think of the eunuch. He, he goes in to Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. He goes and buys a scroll. He goes and starts reading it. There was an action on his part. There was a pulling of God, but he was just acting immediately. He was obeying. He was going, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, when it all comes together and Philip shares the good news of Jesus, he goes, I'm in. Like, I'm going to receive that. I want to make it him Lord over my life. And, and as he hears the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came to live a perfect life. And to die for his sin and the world's sin. And that all we must do is to accept that gift and to receive it. That we create a new identity that is in Christ. And he goes, I want that identity. I, I've been an outcast all my life. I want the family of God. I can never have a family of my own, but I can be a part of the family of God. I am so, he goes, I'm going to make that decision right now. And what does it say in the story? What does he do? He pulls the chariot over. He's like, whoa, 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 there's some water. And you told me, Philip, that I was to repent of my sin, to trust Jesus, and the first step of trusting Jesus, it doesn't save me, but it identifies me, it's to get baptized. I guess today is a good day to get baptized. So he gets baptized immediately. He acts right away. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, maybe you've had a bunch of questions in your life or you've been burned out by church for the last couple of years and you're just coming back today, act right away. God is drawing you. You're here for a reason. You didn't just show up here on accident. He is pulling you to himself and he wants a relationship with you. And it just might take just praying and going, God, I surrender myself to you. I give you my heart and I want you to be king over my life. And there's probably a few people in here today that have gone, I have yet to get baptized. Maybe you've been waiting or maybe you've been like putting it off. But really baptism, again, is just this public declaration. It goes, I'm in, I'm committed. And the reason I believe the Bible says that we should get baptized is there's something that happens when we do a physical action. I was over there uh, in that last worship song and I was like <sighs> trying to pray and get ready for this message. And you know what I did? I put my hands up when I said, put, when we raise our hands, hallelujah. And you know what happened in that moment? 
Tears started coming down my face and I was experiencing God when I surrendered an action of my body. I think the first step of when we trust in Jesus, when we get baptized, that's a surrender and it's an action where it's going, I'm no longer in control and I'm publicly declaring that Jesus is Lord. Three people are getting baptized today at 1130. Let's give it up for those three people. There's water in there. Uh, so if you want to get baptized and you've been waiting, do it now. That's my goal for you is do it now. Don't wait anymore. You don't need to wait for the perfect time. You should just do it now and get a, do, take the obedient step. God will use it. We can baptize you. We're having baptism after the second service at 1130. But if you want to leave before that, I'll baptize you. One of our pastors will baptize you. One of our, your friends, simple church leaders can baptize you. In between the services, we got clothes uh, even to underwear for you. So if you want to get baptized, we have it for you. We'd love to see you get baptized. The second response we see is that we see Philip and Philip was directly acting in obedience to God. He was going, okay, I'm going to act. Angel of the Lord came. I'm going to leave Samaria and I'm going to go south on a desert road. And then he act. Uh, the spirit says, go to that chariot. So I'm going to go to that chariot. He was hearing from the spirit and the question, if you're like me, you might ask is, how does someone hear from the Spirit? So Philip clearly heard from the Spirit to do something. The question might be, though, is how do we hear from the Spirit? So today, I just want to, maybe this, for the next like five minutes, I just want to share with you four steps that I've taken to allow me to be in a posture to hear from the Spirit. And so if you're taking notes, the first step is this. If you want to hear from the Spirit, you need to read the Bible daily for guidance. So, it, okay, the Spirit kind of works, and sometimes I hear it, sometimes I have this stirring, but how I know if it's the Spirit or not is, does it, does it go along with the Word of God or does it go against the Word of God? If it goes against the Word of God, it's not the Spirit talking to you. So, if you want to curse out the person in front of you that's driving like a maniac, probably not the spirit of God. But if the spirit of God, it's like drawing, it's telling you. And so this is the key is you must know the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, you do not know what God has to say. If the only Bible influx you get is when you come to church once a month, it's going to be really hard to distinguish. Is this the spirit or is this my flesh? And the other day, yesterday, I was... Uh, had a terrible day. Nothing went right. I'm trying to get out of town today after like at five o'clock for our Thanksgiving and nothing was going my way. I went to get my oil change and there was like no, no place in the end for me. I mean, I went to five different oil changes and then my other car broke down in Whole Foods parking lot and it took me two hours to get it towed uh, out of there. And it was, it's 5.30 at Whole Foods on Washington right by the new building. It's embarrassing being out there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's my car. You know, like, there's hundreds of people coming in just like, oh, why'd you do this to my shopping? I'm like, I didn't mean to leave my car in the middle. It just died anyway. Uh, so the what came to my mind is God put Proverbs 3. He goes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I was going, God, why are you doing this? And the verse came to mind, trust me. Trust me, you don't know the path that I'm creating. And it says, I'm going to make your path straight. So what, what did that tow truck, what did that oil change? I don't know what it's doing, 
but there's a providence or a sovereignty of God that he is directing it. And when that came to my mind, all of a sudden I felt like the spirit was just letting me rest and be okay with a bad day. And, and as I thought about the words of God, I felt like the spirit was just saying, don't worry about it. And, and I know it's not a big decision because I think a lot of times when we think about hearing the spirit, we think of like the big decisions of life. Like, should I buy this house? Should I make a career change? And those are times you need to hear from the spirit. But there's also times, and I think it's every day, we just need to hear from the spirit to know exactly what to do. He wants to speak to you. And he, he does that a lot for me through reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible. So then I know how it fits in my life. So the first thing you can do if you want to hear from the spirit is just start reading the Bible daily. Another, this is a bonus Start memorizing some verses. And then all of a sudden, when you're in those situations, they just pop into your head. Number two, if you want to hear from the Spirit, is you need to make space to listen. We're a go, 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 burnout culture. And we never tend to stop and listen. And that is exactly who I am. I'm a go, 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 never stop. A big decision in my life happened about two and a half years ago. I decided to make a big career change and a move from Boulder to Denver. And Molly and I were moving our family and starting the brook and then got involved with restoration. But I didn't know what to do. I was kind of stuck. And I was asking God, what am I supposed to do? And I felt like I didn't get any answers. And then I remember for like a week straight, I would ride my bike to Boulder Creek and I would just sit there and I just wouldn't do a thing for an hour. Wouldn't even open my Bible. I would just sit there and I'd start trying to, like thinking of other things. I know, just listen and listen and listen. And finally in that about seven days, I felt like God started stirring my heart and I started hearing on what I should do. And I, I, don't, I don't always hear like this big audible, Jason, go do this. It's just this like reverent awe that comes about me. You guys ever experienced that where you just feel in awe of God and then there's this sense that you should do something? That's the spirit. He's not real loud at times. Actually, he's not loud at all. You can only hear him in the quiet. So in a place, in a world that is never stopping, you must be quiet. Not just talk, but listen. The third way that I, I, I've heard from the Spirit is this, is just ask other followers of Jesus. What does your community say? So if you're trying to make a decision, maybe it's a big one, or maybe you're uh, just going, is this the Spirit or is this like just my own passions? Ask people around you that follow Jesus. Here's the thing what you need if you're going to do this. You have to have people in your life that are followers of Jesus to ask this to. You have to have people that you are connected with that know who you are and you can go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and you know my heart, you know who I am, you know where I'm headed. Is this a good idea? Uh, when we made our career change, I, I did a, uh, I just went and asked my pastor. I asked like five friends and I asked my counselor what they thought about it. And every single one of them was like, I don't know 100%, but it seems like that might be what God is calling you to do. They couldn't tell me 100% because the Spirit can, is the one that kind of pushed me over the edge, but it's got to be in the form of community. So if you do not have that kind of community in your life, you might have friends. Your drinking buddies, though, can't give you good decisions on what to do with the Spirit. 
You need people that you're in intentional time with. This is where we have simple church. This is what we do best on the porch is we want to build connections and community so that you have a place for this. Uh, One of the young women that are here today, she actually, uh, I just heard her story. I met her today. She's kind of been following with Restoration and the Brook online. Her name's Kelsey. Kelsey uh, heard about our church. She came and visited uh, like a few months ago, and she was getting like loves it, but she lives in California. So she talked to some people out on the porch and she got on an online simple church and she started making community online because she goes, I need the things of God. And she hadn't been to church in 10 years. And so she goes, I guess I just got to get around these people. And you know what started happening when she got around those people? She started to ripen and she moved, she actually is moving here in February because she goes, I need a community of followers of Jesus. And she put her faith in Jesus this last over this last season of life, and she's made the decision. She flew here today, or a couple days ago, to come to the Brook Happy Hour, and then she wanted to be in service today because she wanted to get baptized. So she flew from California to get baptized today. What's your excuse? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kelsey is finding a community, and what community does is it allows you to take action of the Spirit. And the last thing is this, if you want to hear from the Spirit, this is just my theory, so you can push back on this theory, but this is what I do. I do this, I take action when I'm 51% sure. Not 99, not 98, not 97, because typically what the Spirit asks me to do is not what my flesh wants to do. So there's this like tug of war between Jason's flesh and the Spirit. I'm like going back and forth and I don't wanna do it, But all of a sudden, like when I feel this awe and I feel this reverence and I feel this sense and I'm like, okay, I'm 51% sure I just take action. And here's the thing. I'm not always right. But I feel like when I do it, I experience the things of God and what he calls me to. Uh, Even yesterday as I'm getting my car towed, I'm just furious. And I'm getting it dropped off and I'm sitting there and I'm like, It took like an hour longer than it should have. I'm a little frustrated that we didn't get it done sooner. And all of a sudden, the spirit just prompted me, you need to invite the tow driver to church. (sighs) Fine. (laughs) I was 52% sure. So I did it, not great, but I was like, hey man, if you ever looking for a church, uh, uh, you should come to this church restoration. We meet at nine and 1030. And I'd love to have you there. And I'll be there. I'm there almost every week. So let's connect but it was just the spirit was pulling me to that. I'm, and I've missed it a lot too. The spirit tells me to do things and I'm like, well, I don't think that was the spirit. <laughs> but here's the key is this. In, in Proverbs 4, 18 and 19, it says this. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. What I see about the spirit is this. It's like a dimmer switch on the lights. Whenever more light is given, more you can see and more you don't fall and the more you know the path before you. The more dim the light is, it's harder to hear, it's harder to see, it's harder where to go. 
the number one way that we can increase the brightness of God's voice in our life, Jesus told us in John 14, 21, he said this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them. And here's the kicker and show myself to them. The key to brightening the path, the key to hearing the voice of God is take action and be obedient to the things of God. If you have a sense in your soul, if you're reading the Bible and it says to do something, do it. And all of a sudden the spirit starts speaking louder and louder. What I've noticed is the more small steps of obedience I hear, the louder the spirit speaks to me. And I'll close with this uh, because I have to address it. At the very end of the passage, did you notice like there was like a teleportation thing that happened? Yeah, everybody's like, are you going to get to the teleportation? So there's this flux, flux capacitor in DeLorean that came. <laughs> if you're over 35, you get that. Under 35, it's the greatest movie of our generation of the 80s and 90s is Back to the Future. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, some scholars say that, yeah, maybe Philip was swept away like Elijah and then delivered to Azotus. Maybe it was also just swept away by the Spirit, kind of how the Spirit was drawing him. He just moved on and he ran away and, and came to Azotus. We, it does not matter. The thing that matters the most is that Philip's role was not to stay in the eunuch's life. It was to let him go and to let him go back to his hometown. I, I think Philip was like, wait, I'm, are we supposed to go to the ends of the earth? And so I should go with this eunuch. He goes, no, 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 you're not gonna go there. That's not your plan. I don't have that plan for you. I'm gonna send him to do the work. And as the spirit worked in the eunuch's life, uh, it's interesting. If you look at Ethiopia now, it's around Sudan and Somalia. You know what Sudan and Somalia are? It's like 99.9% Muslim. It's incredibly intense. It's a dangerous place to be a follower of Jesus. But stuck right in between those two countries is a country called Ethiopia. And it's, uh, I just looked, it was 56% Christian. Maybe they have something to link together that this man that was changed and transformed, that felt like an outcast, that felt like he had nowhere to go, that felt like he was not accepted in his culture, was then given a new identity, a new name, a name that is above all other names that was in Jesus, that he was his son and that he would be used by him and that he would go to his people and that he would see the gospel proclaimed and that we would feel the impact of this man's decision to get baptized and receive the spirit and to act upon the spirit that we would and be impacted today and our world be impacted today. You never know what the Spirit's doing. You never know what that conversation is gonna lead to. You never know where your path is going, but God is calling us. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to say, listen to me and I will direct your path and you will do great things for me. Let's pray. God, as we uh, move into this time of worship, we ask that, we might just listen for a moment. And I sense that some people are in here with some confusion, that they might feel that sense of awe and they might hear from you and you might direct their path. And God, I pray for anyone here that's been the spiritual wanderer, the outcast, the nomad, the burnt out on religion, that they would say, today is my day that I am going to receive Jesus as Lord. In your son's name, amen.